This is day 115 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Psalms chapters 93 through 97. Lord Heavenly Father, you are king. You are king over this universe. And Lord, we need you to be king over our hearts. We sometimes have trouble choosing that for ourselves. And yet, Lord, we know that you are so kind and so gracious to us. That some, you have to reveal yourself to us in such a way that we accept it. And Lord, we are so selfish. We're so selfish into thinking that we can be king over our own lives and trusting in things of this world instead of you. But Lord, we have to acknowledge the reality that you are king over all. And you saved us by your son and by your blood. Lord God, thank you for that. Thank you for saving your own people, saving your citizens, your subjects for all eternity. And we don't understand how deep that is. But Lord, as we come to know you day by day, entering into your word, that you may show us more of who you are, and that we may surrender our wills to your sovereignty. Please bless the reading of this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding waves more than the sounds of many waters, than the mighty breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. O Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render recompense to the proud. How long shall the wicked, O Lord, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour forth words, they speak arrogantly. All who do wickedness vaunt themselves. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger, and murder the orphans. They have said, The Lord does not see nor does the God of Jacob pay heed. Pay heed, you senseless among the people, and when you when will you understand, stupid ones? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke? Even he who teaches man knowledge? The Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are a mere breath. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, that you may grant him relief from the days of adversity, until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. For judgment will again be righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. 
Who will stand up for me against evildoers? Who will take his stand for me against those who do wickedness? If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have dwelt in the abode of silence. If I should say, my foot has slipped, your loving kindness, O Lord, will hold me up. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. Can a throne of destruction be allied with you, one who devises mischief by decree? They band themselves together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has been my stronghold, and my God the rock of my refuge. He has brought back their wickedness upon them and will destroy them in their evil. The Lord our God will destroy them. O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth, the peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your heart, as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation, and said that they are a people who err in their heart, and they do not know my ways. Therefore I swore in my anger, Truly they shall not enter into my rest. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all that it contains. Let the field exult in all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy, 
before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many islands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries round about. His lightnings lit up the world. The earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the peoples have seen his glory. Let all those be ashamed who serve graven images, who boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion heard this and was glad, and the daughters of Judah have rejoiced because of your judgments, O Lord. For you are the Lord, most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Hate evil, you who love the Lord, who preserves the souls of his godly ones. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown like seed for the righteous, and gladness for the upright in heart. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Can you tell what the theme of today's reading was? The Lord is king. The Lord is sovereign. The Lord rules over all things. And these psalms repeat it several times. The Lord reigns. That is a present tense. He currently reigns, and he always will reign. It doesn't always feel like it when in this evil world, you know? It doesn't always feel like God is in control because things are so evil right now. But God has declared that he is in control, and that's enough for me. And that should be enough for all of us, knowing that God is in control and nothing escapes his gaze. Like it says, his testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. His testimonies, the things about him that are being said, the things and the stories that have happened as of old, all those things are fully confirmed, which means everything that has ever been said about the Lord is completely true. And so we have no reason not to believe in the Lord. We have no reason to doubt him. Everything that he's ever said and done came to pass, and he has done all things perfectly. That should be enough to believe in him. And if there is anything less than that, why would you want to believe that? Why would you want to believe in a God that is fictitious? Why would you want to believe in a God that did not do the things that he said he did? That would make him a liar. How can we read the Bible and not believe this stuff? Really, honestly, what is the point of reading the Bible and not believing what's in it? Why read it at all, then? 
if it's not true? We have to ask ourselves these hard questions, because if we do not have a firm foundation in our faith, we will be led astray, we will not believe properly, and we will be accepting a lie. We cannot dwell in falsehood. And so if we are going to read the Bible, we have to take it for what it is. And it is the Word of God, and it is perfect. It's nothing less than that. We have to believe that. If we don't believe it, then what's the point of anything? Your faith is useless. So let's let's commit to knowing and understanding the Lord. Some things are going to be hard to understand, but we have to fully accept it for what it's worth. Because like it says in verse 5, holiness befits your house. And if God is holy and his house is holy, then therefore his word must be holy because he is holy. Holiness can only create holiness. Goodness can only create goodness. So we have to understand that this word is holy. It is the Holy Bible. And it's called that for a reason, because it is the perfect word of God, a love letter to his people. Chapter 94 is showing how, as God is king, he is also a wise ruler and a judge over his people. Because it talks about the first half of it being with people trying to get away with destroying people and murdering and stealing and doing everything that they can to defy the law of the Lord. And what he says here I thought was so plain and so beautiful in verse 8. Pay heed, you senseless among the people. And when will you understand, stupid ones? You really think that God isn't paying attention to you? You really think that you can escape him? He knows the thoughts of every man, that they are a mere breath. He knows our thoughts. He knows why we do things the way we do them. He knows our secrets. Then we see something that should be present in our lives. Verse 12, Blessed is the man whom you chasten, who you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law, that you may grant him relief from the days of adversity until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not abandon his people nor will he forsake his inheritance. As a parent, I teach and punish my kids in order for them to correct a behavior so that it would be good for them as they get older. God does the same thing to us, and so he should be actively teaching you. The scary thing is, is that if God is quiet in your life, and there is no teaching going on, no chastening, that should be cause for alarm. That should be an immediate like, wait a minute, things are going too well, and I'm not hearing from the Lord. Perhaps I'm not on track. I'm not saying that if things are going well and you're prospering that God has abandoned you in some way. I'm not saying that. But the act of sanctification, the act of being closer and closer, being made to the image of Christ, is a continual thing that we will see in our lives. If your spiritual life is highly active, you will see God refining you. You'll see him making you better. 
And sometimes that will be through hardship. Sometimes it'll be through difficulties. But the beautiful thing is that God gives us the peace and the contentment to go along with it. If we realize that there is no growth in our life and we are aware of it, we need to stop what we're doing immediately and pray. We need to talk to the Lord and see where I'm going wrong. There's probably some sort of sin or some sort of pride that we are embracing at the moment that is causing us to not obey the Lord. We will be quick to abandon him, but he does not abandon us. And so we often feel he's so far away. He feels so far away from me. Have you looked behind you? Have you looked beside you? He's there. You have just tuned him out. And God is never a liar. So verse 14, the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. Yeah, that's, that is so true. It is, it is accurate to our situation with God. If we have come to know the Lord and we constantly spend time with him, then we can speak verse 19. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. That is satisfaction that can only come from God. Because there will be things in life that make us anxious or stressed out, or worried, or I need that confirmation that everything is going to go well. God can do that. And his consolations will delight us. We will be satisfied with him. Chapter 95 is a call to the people to praise their king, who is the Lord, because he is sovereign over all these gods which are not really gods. That's why it says in verse 6, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. To bow down to before something takes an act of submission. It takes an act of humbleness, humility. And if we are elevating ourselves to a level that we should not be, we will not submit to the Lord because we will think we are the highest authority in the land when that is far from the truth. And just remember as well that everything in the Bible is written for our instruction. We'll see that in the New Testament. Paul will remind us of that a couple of times. Everything that was written happened for a reason. And this was an object lesson for us. The people going through the Exodus was not, not only a foreshadowing of Christ, but was also meant to teach us how not to be in interaction with God. Because beginning in verse 7, through the rest of the chapter, this is quoted in the book of Hebrews as being what the Holy Spirit is telling us today. Do not harden your hearts as in Meribah, or in the day of Massa in the wilderness when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said that there are people who err in their heart and yet they do not know my ways. Therefore I swore in my anger, truly they shall not enter into my rest. That was the Holy Spirit. So if we have this idea that the Holy Spirit is some sort of a force, an impersonal thing, then we're wrong. It's just like that song, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. 
God in three persons. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has a will. He has a unique role to play in the Trinity. And he is grieved. He is angry, as we can see. And he still speaks. So he's God. And he is very much active, even in the Old Testament. Do not harden your hearts like the Israelites did. Forty years he dealt with them, and he was sick of them, because they did not obey, they did not believe. The reason the Israelites in the desert failed was because of their unbelief. And we do not need to be unbelievers in his midst. He will not tolerate it. And it will be cast out. Chapter 96 is again recognizing that God is sovereign. He is king. And he calls us to bless him, to sing to him, to praise him. Tell of his glory among the nations. Share in the gospel. His wonderful deeds. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Why? Because all the gods of the peoples are idols. They're fake. They're false. But the Lord made the heavens. He is the true God. The rest of them are all phony. So this whole psalm is a challenge to us as to how we are to present ourselves and our hearts to the Lord. Ascribe to him glory and strength. Bring an offering. Tremble before him. Let the heavens be glad. Let the seas roar. Why? Because he is king. And not only that, he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. This was understood well before Jesus came, that Jesus was going to come and judge the earth. The Messiah was already prophesied to have done this. And then we have chapter 97, which shows us that the Lord indeed does reign and what is the establishment of his throne? What does he base himself off of as being a holy God? And it says it right here in verse 2. Cloud and thick darkness surround him. So you think of that imagery of like, I can think of two times. One when on Mount Sinai, Moses meets God. He comes down on a thick, dark cloud and he speaks through the cloud. We see the same event happen again when the three disciples go with Jesus to the top of the mountain, and Jesus is transfigured in front of them. It's that Greek word for metamorphosis, where we get metamorphosis from. He was transfigured. He was transformed in front of their eyes. And when they were trying to interrupt what the three men were doing, Elijah, Moses, and Jesus, then the Lord came on a thick, dark cloud, says, This is my son whom I'm pleased with. Listen to him. I see that parallel here between the clouds and thick darkness from those events to what is being said here. But his foundation is righteousness and justice. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. That is what he operates under. He is a God of righteousness, perfection, holiness, and he is a God of justice. You have to have both to see God for who he really is. 
He is all good, but he is also just. When we look at God, we should be ashamed of ourselves. Like it says in verse 7, Let all those be ashamed who serve graven images, who boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all you gods, all you fakeness. Idols should praise the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is the most high over all the earth, and he is exalted far above all gods. And then the last thing to walk away with, not only recognize God as king and ascribe to him glory and praise, but one way that we show love to the Lord is by hating evil. That is a strong word, hate. But we are not to tolerate and accommodate evil in our lives and in the world around us. We are to actively speak against those things and do not participate in them ourselves. That is what God wants us to do because that's how he is. Just like Jesus said, be holy for he is holy, right? You are to be perfect because your heavenly father is perfect. So that understanding that because God is a certain way, we are supposed to copy that. And that's all that I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.